anybody else miss Chris Cornell? I do. Man, love that guy's lyrics. And how good an intro is that? You guys know I love intros. Love intros to songs. Nothing better than a good intro. And uh, that was Dusty from Soundgarden. For those who don't know, one of my favorites. Um, today's pod, uh, if you hadn't figured it out already, is going to just be sort of a, um, a walkthrough of the postseason rankings I've got going and the article I wrote for WEI uh, yesterday. Uh, it's really just about postseason pools. Uh, and before we get into that, we're just going to have a little fun, talk about a couple things on Twitter, uh, and we'll get you guys out of here. I don't think this is going to be more than 30 minutes, uh, maybe even significantly less. Okay, so before we kick off here, going to go through a couple things that uh, sort of got me uh, talking or whatever. It's a couple things that got me fired up even uh, on my timeline. Uh, threw out a tweet this morning with Ron Swanson, sort of with a cryptic kind of smirk. Uh, it's just my way of sort of saying, you know, I mean, it's a little self-serving, all the fantasy people saying more fantasy people should be on TV. Um, yeah, I know everybody wants to be on TV. Uh, the truth of the matter is more fantasy on TV isn't necessarily a good thing. I mean, I'm all for well-placed fantasy when it can help people, but I don't want to turn football broadcasts into fantasy broadcasts. I think that would actually be a big mistake. Uh, keep real football as real football. Now, fantasy guys on the pregame, good ones who actually give information to people, hey, that's great. Uh, putting fantasy programs on at a time where people get to view them instead of the middle of the night, I think that would be great. Putting more serious fantasy people on the fantasy shows in, in, instead of some of the hairdos that we see on those shows now, that would be good too. So I, I'm all for more fantasy uh, and for fantasy getting bigger and all that stuff. Um, you know, but I don't know. I mean, who can I mean, yeah, fantasy guy in the pregame would be good, but pregames suck. Like, I, if it made me watch the pregame, that would almost be bad. Like, I'd rather be watching some of those free Twitch accounts, um, you know, around noon, like like Ryan Hodge, Joe Holka, people like that, uh, than watching a nice glitzed up fantasy product on Channel 2 or Channel 5 or whatever. That's New York Market Channel, sorry. CBS, Fox, whatever. Um but moving on, I mean, look, more fantasy is good. That's good. It, you know, I'm down with that. Um, Ian Harditz is a guy, I think, if you guys aren't following Ian, you really should. Uh, he's a total up-and-comer. The thing I love about Ian, uh, in addition to him being, uh, you know, pretty good guy, pretty funny, um, is he's just very, I mean, he's sharp for sure, but he tends to really lean hard on important stuff. Like, he doesn't give you fluff. He doesn't give you cool stats that don't help you in the moment. He gives you cool stats that are geared to today, to this week. And it's, uh, he's good at it. I, I, I think he's a guy who is going to keep growing and he deserves a big audience. If you're not following Ian, I, I just recommend it. You'll be better off for it. Uh, I saw a tweet from him that I retweeted. Some of you may have seen it, but um, it was stuff we already knew, but it was just a really smart um, thing to isolate for this week. And it's that the Texans, Vikings, and Eagles have really bad corners. Um, like really poorly graded on PFF. I mean, this is nothing we didn't already know, but it's, you know, it's always good to refocus on what matters. And I think this week it's important, you know, Seattle's receivers, the Saints receivers, these guys are in good spots. And I think it's important to realize that the Bills receivers are in good spots. And I think the more you don't like the Bills in this game, the more you have to think about the receivers being in good spots, because if the game script's going to get away from Buffalo, gosh, I mean, you know, guys like Brown and Beasley, they could, they could clean up and defeat. Um, I'm sort of looking, well, we'll get to that later, but um, I, I, I put a, uh, I retweeted a thing from Silva about Damian Williams, um, and if you read my article on EEI, you know I was 
uh, already on that, um, I, you know, I think Damian Williams, we saw in that video that I retweeted, uh, and uh, I think Silva was retweeting, retweeting uh, Baldinger, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but when you see, like, I think one of the things that people's eyes see in that video is, wow, how fast Tyreek Hill is. He's passing everybody and he catches up to Williams. Yeah, we know Damian Williams isn't as fast as Tyreek Hill, but the really important takeaway there is, well, A, all three chiefs are running faster than everybody else like that's sort of a scary thing if you're a defensive coordinator but the fact that williams was was pulling away or at the very least not being run down by dbs shows you that the speed that we talked about throughout the preseason and really ever since we reviewed williams as a as a as a rookie coming in the guy's got a great size speed combo uh, and that knee injury is now looking like pretty much a non-factor we're seeing the burst and the speed from Damien um, obviously the chest thing looks like it's also in the rearview mirror uh, and I think Williams is a guy most people are probably processing this correctly but I, you know I think there's still a lot of people who feel a burned by Williams or just sort of see him as a dud because he didn't work out for seasonal uh, I, I he's my number two back behind Kamara and, and quite honestly, the more I look at it, the more I'm just totally convinced that that's the play. Um, you know, I mean, I, I get why people are going to shy away from him, but I, I don't even see it. I, I don't see even a strong counter argument unless you think Minnesota's going to win games, unless you think Derrick Henry's going to win games, unless you think Green Bay is going to win games. Otherwise, I just don't see it. You know, Mark Ingram's dinged up. Um, you know, now look, and, and by the way, like even if Tennessee goes on a run, Henry's going to have to be putting up yardage against who? Like the Patriots and then the Ravens? That's not easy. So, you know, as much as I like Derrick Henry and I pimped him during the offseason, uh, I wouldn't take him ahead of Damian Williams, who's locked into that Kansas City offense. I, I wouldn't do it. Um, and it's important to understand, not only does his speed create place for himself, but the routes they use him on when he's running the way he is now, and I think we'll see more of it in the postseason, it opens up the field for everybody. It helps Mahomes a ton. Um, so, you know, I'm, <laughs> I've got the number one pick in my seasonal draft this Saturday, and I am not locked into Lamar yet. He's probably the guy I'm going to take, but I'm giving strong consideration to Mahomes. Uh, maybe it's because I'm tilting. I don't know. But I just my, my problem is that I sort of feel like the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, if I still feel that way Saturday, I may end up bucking my own rankings and taking Mahomes. Um, just because the extra game should be enough. Um, you know, to, to, you know, I mean, the thing is, you could make an argument that Lamar Jackson with two monster games can outscore everybody. Um, so, you know, Jackson's a guy where he could play twice and you could still be in it. Um, but to me, games played still trumps everything. It really does, which is why I think Breeze is a guy for the bold. You could take him at the one. You could even take Michael Thomas at the one, to be honest, uh, if you really felt strongly enough that you know he's going to keep outscoring Breeze. Obviously, he outscored Breeze fantasy on the season because Breeze missed time and uh, you know uh, Taysom Hill steals stuff from Breeze and stuff like that. Um, let me see. What's that? What else? What else? Oh, um, you may have seen me retweet um, uh, an episode of the Take Cast. That's uh, Davis Maddox uh, podcast. It was a really good episode. Uh, I really thought Davis was excellent. I thought, and I thought his um, it, um, his back and forth with Brian Jester was really good stuff. Uh, uh, Davis and Brian both play DFS differently than me. Um, and, and, and not in a bad way. I think different, differently than me in a good way. Um, I think, you know, the, 
a lot of the things that you hear in that podcast are things that I've always wanted to implement in my own game, and I really do plan on doing it. Um, you know, I'm good at finding the plays, but that's so far from being like the end all be all. You need to pick the right contests. Uh, you re- you need to get into lineup construction, and that's one of the things I really want to get into deeper next year. Is I need to find more. I mean, I'm okay with lineup construction. I've learned every year, and I feel like I'm getting better at it. Uh, what I need is more time each week to actually do it. I spend so much time refining who to play that I don't spend enough time on how to play the who to plays. And um, you know, it's it's I'm committed to to finding more time for that, and we'll talk about that more in the future. But uh, Brian is someone I absolutely plan on having the, having on the podcast, uh, hopefully somewhat soon. Um, so you know, I, I would uh, go into my feed. Um, it's easy to find. Uh, and listen to it. Uh, Davis Maddock, Take Cast with Brian Jester. Um, uh, back to the Bills for a second. I thought it was interesting. Scott Barrett is someone who I respect uh, and who I like. If you're not following Scott, by the way, you should be. Um, and he also is on the Bills. So that made me feel good. I'm sort of on the Bills to win opening round. Um, and again, with these matchups, I think they could have a good day. And then you get a second game. So the Bills are one of my sleeper teams. N- n- not like basing my team around the Bills, but like I talk about adopting a team. And I think, um, you know, if I'm adopting a second team from the AFC, like once, you know, if I go Chiefs and all my Chiefs are off the board, I might go to some Bills or something like that. Um, uh, Lord Reeves, I thought, uh, made an, a, a good point as always, um, and this goes against my Bills narrative. Um, Reeves always the sober uh, take, but he, you know, he pointed out we got rookies making their first playoff starts, and the matrix is not kind uh, to these folks. So you know, Ryan Tannehill. Now he's a veteran, but he's going up against Belichick, who knows him well from his time in the division. So that's going to be an interesting one. Josh Allen making his first playoff start. Carson Wentz, we don't think about it, but yeah, he's making his first playoff start. He's been hurt uh, in the past. Uh, and then also, I think what Garoppolo will be making his first start in the second round. So we do have, uh, you know, that, you know, I, something to think about there. You know, as usual, Reeves coming up with something good to think about. Um and uh, also Scott Barrett tweeted a thing out on George Kittle that I retweeted that I thought was really good. Um, and then there was another tweet he sent out on Kittle, which is that he's like the first person other than Julio Jones uh, to lead the league in yards per target in a while with 310 yards. Um, and I'm sorry, not per target. That's per route. Think about that. Think about 3.1 yards per route. That's insanity. And he's a fucking tight end. So, you know, George Kittle, I think can definitely be a guy to look at in these fantasy drafts early, like very early, like first round early. Um, And I'm going to get going here, just going through these players. Obviously, we've already done some of it. Um, But another thing that I may do, I don't know if I'm going to have time, uh, but I'm looking at maybe doing an entry into the FFPC Playoff Challenge. Uh, It's a pricey thing, so, you know, it's... I'm not going to flippantly do it. If I can find a couple hours to dig in and prepare, I may try this thing. And if I do, um, I'll th- maybe in the DFS podcast, if I do it uh, early enough, um, I'll, I'll just throw, I'll let you guys know what I did, just on the off chance that uh, you want to do it too and uh, you're looking for some ideas. Uh, it's an interesting format. You can only take one player per team. So uh, it's interesting. How you, it's sort of like uh, a draft and hold knockout kind of league like we're going to be talking about now, but you can't stack. 
so it's 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 compelling. Uh, it's two hundred dollar entry fee. So you know that's that's the thing that's giving me pause. Like I want to make sure I'm prepared if I'm going to drop two hundo on it. Okay, let's start getting into uh, the article, and then we'll hit the rankings quickly. Uh, so in the article, I mean, check it out. I go into some of the, the strategies that you use in these leagues. Um, you guys are all pretty swift, so I'm not going to waste any podcast time on that. Just hit the link. If you if you want to check that stuff out, it's there. Um, I'm just going to swing through some of the points I made at the bottom of the article, things I want folks to focus on. One is don't forget about kickers and defense. I think kickers in particular, if you're in one of these draft and hold leagues, you have to get your mindset that kickers aren't worthless anymore. They're going to outscore a lot of these skill players. Kickers are going to be in that 7 to you know 12-point window every week, and that's a significant amount of points. Uh, if your team plays three, four games. So kickers are important. It's obviously pretty easy to figure out the ones you really want. Um, so, you know, you know, Casey's kicker, the Saints kicker, uh, the Ravens kicker, these guys are worth something. And, you know, don't forget that. In fact, it can be a good bailout pick if one of them's still on the board and you're like, man, I don't like any of the other stuff. Um, another point I make is don't get too hung up on projecting games played. Now, what I mean by that is it's good to do it, um, I'm more into just identifying the teams that have open pathways to advancement. I don't really, the percentage chance, you know, that's just me making up numbers for the most part, unless we're using the Vegas odds. Um, I, I just look at the Vegas odds and I look for teams with realistic pathways. Um, me put again, me putting a percentage chance on those pathways, I think it borders on being egotistical. Uh, the truth of the matter is these games flip on things that are hard to pinpoint going in. Um, you know, so again, like the Bills are a team I'm looking at, uh, the Titans to a lesser extent, uh, the Seahawks, I think, are a major team in that regard. Teams that are in position to make a run because they're decent teams and because they can win their first round matchup. Like, I, you know, I mean, Seahawks can, they, I think they're going to beat the Eagles. I have a feeling the Bills are going to beat the Texans. So, uh, these teams sort of fit into that thing where it's not about me saying, I think they're going to play 1.7 games. It's that I like the path. Um, speaking of a path, the Vegas odds paint a path. Um, it's, I think it's, it's good to lean on the things you think about, things you feel, the teams that you think are going to win. It's fun. I mean, you know, definitely let your own viewpoints get in the mix here, but at the same time, excuse me, tap the mic. Um, I think staying objective is good too. So I like to take the things I think, uh, jot them down, especially the things that come from a place where it's you know an evidence-based reason versus me having a gut feeling or something. But then I'll also sort of counterbalance them with the Vegas odds because I know the Vegas guys are good, uh, and I know it's you know totally outside of my process. So it it balances things out. Uh, and when you look at those Vegas odds, it's so obvious. Ravens, 49ers, Chiefs, Saints. Uh, as I mentioned, the Packers are 12 to 1, but that's Vegas just giving them a free square, right? You're 12 to 1 because you're already in the quarterfinals, right? So you're, you the and again for our purposes, that missed game actually hurts the Packers. So to me, the Packers, I don't care about their chances of winning the Super Bowl. I care about their chances of playing four games. It's zero. And their chances of playing three for me is not good because I think there's a really good chance they're one and done. Um, so it's important to not just look at the odds. You have to interpret a little bit. Um, another thing I say is focus on the Saints. That's because Obviously, they are the one really, really 
good Super Bowl contender that didn't get a bye. They're going to play the first week. They're probably going to win. Uh, and there, there is not a game the Saints are going to play this year where they don't have a really solid crack of winning. There's nobody in the league who can just blow the Saints off the field. Um, and it's also possible that you know if, if the 49ers get upset in the quarterfinal round, the championship game swings back to New Orleans. That's also uh, a potential factor. So they have a good chance at playing more than one home game. Um, so, you know, the, the Saints' big dogs need to go in the first round for me, all three of them. And then I think, you know, depending on your viewpoint on Cook at the tight end spot, he could be an early um, guy to add to. One sobering angle on Cook is that the Vikings do not give up production to tight ends. It's ridiculous. So, you know, that's something to at least think about. The problem I see with the whole Cook tight end matchup Vikings thing is that how many of the tight ends that they've shut down had Mike Williams on the field, right? Excuse me, Michael Thomas on the field. So Thomas could be drawing double teams. You have to deal with Kamara. So it's possible the Vikings aren't able to cover Cook the way they cover traditional alpha tight ends like Kittle where they can give extra help. They may have to go straight up on Cook, which may create a different paradigm where you can sort of throw the you know the seasonal numbers out. So that's something to think about. Uh, I do think you know, like if you're going to fade Michael Thomas in a GPP, I don't think that's silly at all. I mean, I'm going to be a little heavy on Thomas, but I will fade him here or there. Uh, and if you are fading him, I think you got to have Kamara or Cook in there. I think, uh, or Traquan Smith. You got to have one of those guys in there. Um, I think, unless you're going to just fade the Saints. But I don't know. That's that's a little dicey. Um, uh, looking into Seattle's backfield, that's you guys. I know you guys have already done that. That was something I was telling my EI uh, readership. But it's really important to understand Seattle's backfield, especially if you think they're going to make a run. Um, you know, now the Eagles are a tough uh, opening round matchup for short yardage. So I don't know how much I like Lynch this round. But if they advance and move into matchups that maybe aren't as bad. And then Lynch has another week of practice under his belt, and he's looking more and more like a football player versus a guy who's been playing video games. Um, things could change. So I do think Lynch is a guy who's got some value, um, but I sort of like Homer more, particularly if you're getting 0.5 or full PPR. Um, sleeper teams we've already talked about. Um, consider using QB depth to your advantage is another point I tried to make. And again, that goes back to those Vegas odds. Obviously, the, the four quarterbacks that Vegas really likes, uh, Jackson, Mahomes, Breeze, Garoppolo, uh, I'm prioritizing them ahead of just about everybody with the possible exceptions. You know, I, some folks may want to take like a Kamara or a Thomas uh, over Garoppolo if, if Breeze is already off the board. I mean, hey, you know. I, I can see why you might do that. If you feel strong about your quarterback uh, situation using a second-round pick, that, that can be a very good way to do it. Um, and let me see. Yeah, that, that should do it. Let's, let's move over into uh, the positional rankings now. And the, posi the positional rankings um, I'm going to be working on later today. Um, and, it, and as I say in the article, it's, it's really important to understand, A, that the rankings are loose, um, but it's more important to understand why the rankings are loose. The, the players are going to move up and down the board once the draft starts. You're going to have to keep your head on a swivel. I could rank these guys out of order. It really wouldn't matter. It's What you want to do is let 
the value of these players crystallize during the draft. The minute you commit to a player in the first round, it's going to color what you want to do with the conference that player plays in, right? So if, you know, if my first pick is Lamar Jackson, then I'm going to want to go to ideally, I'm going to want to go to the NFC before I go to any other AFC team. So I'm not going to take Lamar Jackson with my first pick. Um, and then somebody from a team that might play Baltimore with my second pick. That just it, you're you're shorting yourself. You you need to create a team that can move forward together. Um, so if I'm taking uh, a non-Baltimore player after taking say Lamar Jackson, it's going to be either late when there's just nothing else available, or it's going to be a player I think can avoid Baltimore in the in the second round. Okay, um, so you know that's just something you have to understand that once you commit to a direction, you are sort of pot committed in that direction. So I take a I take an AFC quarterback with my first pick. When I come back around, I might want to try to stack him if one of his pieces that I really like survive. But if they don't, what I'm probably going to try to do is pivot to the NFC. And grab and because I want to adopt. That's the safest way is to have the two teams you're focusing on in your draft in different conferences. That way, if they ever do meet, it's not going to cost you a game because there's no game after the Super Bowl, right? So, you know, it's 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 you have to sort of walk that line. There are going to be times where you may have to go against that paradigm, where it's like, okay, player X is just too good. Maybe I'll get lucky and they won't play till the championship game. That kind of thing. Okay, um, so that's why the rankings are, are are somewhat loose because, you know, it's just the nature of the thing. I mean, obviously, in the real world, we're not going to put Debo Samuel ahead of Steph Diggs uh, or Will Fuller. Not not now. Not today. Uh, not on a per game basis. But when we start thinking about Samuel getting better and better, and when we think about San Francisco playing at home and potentially playing three times, and Diggs probably being one and done, it's tough to get Diggs above Samuel. Now, some people's rankings absolutely have it that way. And if you think the Vikings are going to upset the Saints, absolutely move Diggs up. Fine. But you have to think about moving forward. You have to think about games played and stuff like that. You can't just blow that off. Uh, and that's why a guy like Samuel is so hot. Um, so where are these rankings sort of worth talking about? Um, let's start with the running backs. Kamara, I for me, is easy at the top. Uh, and Damian Williams, as I mentioned, is easy in second place. It has to do with the teams they play on more than anything else. Now, Ingram is a guy... We have to really look at him. You, he's one of the most important players to keep tabs on up until you actually have to commit to making draft picks. If no more information comes out on Ingram and he does not practice, then he's a wild card. His injury may be more significant than they're letting on. It may be nothing. But, you know, Ingram is a part-time player anyway. I don't think that par- paradigm's changing in the playoffs. So I'm going to fade Ingram and hope somebody just sort of spaces on the fact that he may be dinged up. Uh, Raheem Mostert, you know, I like him, but the volume isn't there and there are other backs in the mix and who knows what happens if a guy like Breida gets hot. So for me to put Mostert over a guy like Damian Williams, can't do it. Uh, Aaron Jones, I have Green Bay losing. Can't get him much higher than this. Derrick Henry, 
I have him losing either in the first or second. Hard to get him much higher than this. Cook, same thing. Singletary, I like him, but I don't see him winning more than one game. Uh, and, you know, he's got a quarterback who vultures. So, again. Now, the next guy, Gus Edwards, is interesting because if we're fading Ingram, we're going to want to move Edwards up and stay consistent with it. So he's a guy who could have more value. Um, and certainly... Um, Justice Hill, same kind of thing. He's an interesting play-to-win kind of pick. Um, but moving down this list, you'll see Travis Homer ab- above some guys who are bigger names. It's just because I think Seattle has four-game potential. I have them playing twice in my mind. But, you know, pulling an upset like in San Francisco, it's not out of the question. Um, now, moving down these running backs... Um, you know, Burkhead, if you think the Patriots can make a run, I think Burkhead's very interesting as a sleeper. Uh, same kind of thing with Matt Breida, who I mentioned. Um, Justice Hill is another one. That's pretty much it. I mean, really late in drafts, I think Jeff Wilson's a pretty savvy pick. Uh, Kyle Jusek, same kind of thing. Um, let's move over to the receivers. Uh, Thomas obviously far and away the, the top choice. Uh, he's great, and his team has a chance to play a lot of games. Thomas is easy. You could construct an argument of taking him over some of the elite quarterbacks if you want to go that way. If you're in full PPR, hey, go for it. Uh, Tyreek Hill, obviously, you've got the the monster game potential. Tyreek Hill can outscore guys who play three games in one game. So uh, Hill, I think, is a potential league winner. Um, you know, a good way to get to get a piece of a good quarterback when you can't actually get a good quarterback. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, I have him that high. I'm not taking him because I think he's going to lose. Uh, Devontae Adams, it's hard to keep him out of that spot because of his target load, but I think he's going to lose. Um, Julian Edelman, I could move him higher, but I think volume eventually is going to knock him out. Um, Lockett is a guy I'm toying with moving up. DK Metcalf, I've already got him pushed up pretty high. Might consider taking him even higher. Will Fuller's hamstring is a problem for me. Uh, Marquise Brown doesn't belong anywhere near where I have him ranked, right? But if he plays three times, and again, this isn't a set lineup thing. Everybody's active all the time. So I don't have to worry about putting him in there when he scores. He's just in there. So, you know, if the Ravens win the Super Bowl this year, Marquise Brown's going to make probably four or five big plays. Uh, So... There you go. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, same kind of thing. Uh, team, multiple games. Uh, he's a pretty big part of it. Uh, A.J. Brown, interesting player. Um, the Titans would have to win this week for him to pay off. Uh, Thielen, not a guy I'm touching. John Brown, love him as a sleeper. Cole Beasley, like him as a sleeper. Michael Hardman, like him as a sleeper. Traquan Smith, like him as a sleeper. Kendrick Bourne, like him as a sleeper. These guys all share a common trait. If you haven't noticed, I think they might play more than two games. Um, And um, I'm just sort of looking down these receivers here. Is there anybody I want to get into? Richie James is a really deep sleeper. Uh, He sort of fits into that same mold as... um, uh, what's his face? Pete, you're just talking about the guy, uh, Jeff Wilson. Um, let's jump over to these tight ends. Uh, Kittle's my number one, um, just because I think he's the number one in his offense and he can play three times. Kelsey's just a, just a tick behind him if you prefer Kelsey. Obviously, if you have a KC build going and Kelsey's on the board, you take Kelsey. It's probably not going to happen, but 
no-brainer in my opinion. Uh, Mark Andrews, very interesting to see where he will go. Uh, I'd love to stack him with Lamar if I can. Jared Cook, the opening round matchup is a concern. If As long as the Saints advance, love Cook. Uh, Goddard, obviously you've got volume early, probably gets knocked out. And then we get into just pure dice rolls. I've got Hayden Hurst high because I think they will make sure he makes some big plays through a three-game run. Uh, Dawson Knox has a matchup. Hollister probably plays twice. Janu Smith has big game potential, could play twice. Ertz, very tough call. Very, very unlikely to play this week, and I think his team gets knocked out. So as much as I want to roll the dice because I love the player, feels like a fool's errand. Uh, Kyle Rudolph is going to be in a game where his team has to deal uh, with some pass rush stuff, and they've got Thielen back. So I don't like Rudolph's chances of having a big game. And then after this, it's nothing but dice rolls uh, at tight end. Moving over to quarterback, and I mean, this is really where things sort of get interesting because this is where you really tend, if you're going quarterback in the first round or second, really to, to really fully commit to you know what kind of team you're going to be building. Um, you know, again, big four, easy call. I like Russell Wilson after that. And really, after those five, I just don't see another quarterback I really want to invest in over some of the elite players. I would rather pivot to an elite player and then just deal with my quarterback in the second or maybe even the third round. And this is also important to note. If you're in a league like mine and teams are allowed to have one quarterback, one quarterback only because there's 12 teams and 12 quarterbacks, if you get shut out of the quarterback run, you, you get to take your quarterback with the last pick. Like That's how it works in my league. If, if I'm taking the 12th quarterback or the 12th kicker or the 12th defense, I'm the only person who can take them once the 11th one is taken. So you, you might as well just wait all the way. And you know, you're probably in not a great spot if you are taking the 12th quarterback normally. Um, but still, there's no reason to take them before you need to. Um, but you know, this is a year. You know, I mean, I'd prefer not to have Wentz just because I feel very strongly that they're going to lose. But apart from Carson Wentz, and even Wentz, I think, could have a decent game, could, because it's not like Seattle, you know, has a great defensive backfield. Although I have to say, you know, given all the problems the Eagles have, Carroll could find a way to just take a couple pieces off the board, and then Wentz would be in big trouble. He's been lighting up defenses that are pretty light. So that's something to be concerned about. But, you know, so yeah, I'd I prefer not to be Wentz. I'd sort of prefer not to be Tannehill. I don't love his matchup and where what will happen to him if he wins. Um, you know, but, you know, Cousins, if Cousins can find a way to win in the shootout this week, he'd be in pretty good shape. Um, you know, Brady, I think, does at least win a game, and I have a feeling they're going to be sort of pass-heavy. Um, now, not downfield pass-heavy, but just ball control pass-heavy. Um, you know, Rodgers, I'm strongly feeling one and done, so I don't really... I'll take Aaron Rodgers, sure, because he could certainly win and he can have a big game, but um, I don't want to pay for Aaron Rodgers. If I'm going to pay for a quarterback other than the top five that I've outlined... It's probably going to be Deshaun Watson or Josh Allen just because, and it's probably going to be Allen, to be honest, just because, you know what, if for some reason Josh Allen got hot with a great defense, who knows? He could play three times. I, I, it's very hard to see him playing more than three times. Um, in fact, it's, it's pretty hard to see him playing more than twice. But even in two games, you know, Allen could do quite a bit for fantasy. So if I was going to 
you know, once the top five are off the board, Allen and Deshaun are probably the guys I want to pay for. Hopefully I find the guy who wins their matchup. Um, And then I'm really willing to just sort of let quarterbacks fall to me. Uh, A strategy where I went, you know, with like a, uh, you know, a Kittle or a Kelsey or a Kamara or a Damian Williams in the first round versus one of the lighter quarterbacks. And then I come around in the second round, you know, if there's another player I like who fits like from the other conference on a team I like or maybe on the same team I might just double up non-quarterbacks round one and two and then wait and you know just try to nail quarterback at the right time um when it comes to defenses I'm generally just going to be patient um we don't know what the 49ers first round matchup is going to be we don't know what the Ravens will be uh you know Patriots not bad if they fall to me Chiefs, not bad if they fall to me. Um, Vikings, not bad if they fall to me. Bills, not bad if they fall to me. I'm just, you can sort of hear that. I'm, I'm just basically, wanna, I want to let someone fall to me, basically. And I have the Saints ranked too low, by the way. Um, but really, uh, except for the Eagles and the Texans, I think all these defenses have merit. I'll just let one fall to me. Um, and Now, when it comes to kickers, I, you know, sort of similar to quarterbacks. I think uh, Tucker, Butker, Lutz. Uh, uh, gold. Those are the guys I want to focus on. They're on the teams that I think are going to score points and play the most games. After that, I'll pretty much just let somebody fall to me. Uh, again, looking to avoid Jake Elliott, looking to avoid uh, Greg Joseph. Uh, and that's pretty much it. That That's the best explanation of my cheat sheet I can give you right now. Uh, I am going to be tweaking it, tweaking the rankings a little bit. There will be some movement. So uh, download the cheat sheet that's most up to date if you are going to be drafting. Uh, And again, I may do some FFPC stuff uh, when I do the DFS podcast, which is probably going to be early Saturday morning. Uh, And, you know, that's it um, for this podcast. Um, Again, there will be a DFS uh, pod coming up later in the week. The podcasts are going to be coming uh, pretty frequently during the offseason. I don't know if I'm going to have a mid-week pod next week. It'll depend if I have something I'm motivated to talk about. But there will definitely be a DFS podcast for every slate um, right through the Super Bowl. Uh, And then once the Super Bowl's over, we'll be going into best ball stuff, a lot of rookie stuff. I'm going to be having guests on the podcast, doing a lot of individual rookie player podcasts. Hopefully you guys are into that. Um, and uh, before I sign off, one last reminder, if you are a regular user of the Rotobon site and you have not been a donor yet, it would really help out if you support the site. We need support. Uh, we don't have a revenue arm. We give this stuff out for free. So if we don't get donations at some point, uh, I won't have a choice. We'll have to swing this over to a pay site. It's not something I want to do. Uh, but you know, if it's Rotobon's going to die or Rotobon's going to become a pay site, we'll become a pay site. I don't want the site to die. Um, so that's about it. Um, hopefully you guys are having uh, a nice uh, post-bowl experience. Hopefully you guys are into all these slates. Hopefully you had a good New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's, by the way. Um, uh, and I'll be back. So uh, good luck with everything this week and uh, giddy up. <laughs>